0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. I want you to imagine a few scenarios with me. Imagine going to church this weekend and sitting down and noticing somebody next to you that doesn't look familiar. You don't think you've ever seen them at your church before. And so you open up a conversation, you shake their hand, you, you welcome, you ask them, how long have you been coming to church? And they're like, oh, you know, this is my first time at church in a while. And you're saying, oh, okay, great. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, well, you know, what do you do for work? And, and this person tells you, well, to be completely honest, I've actually been working for the local mafia, and I just I just know I got to get out of it. I know I got to change my life, and I know I need God in my life. How are you going to respond in that situation? Or suppose another ser- scenario where you meet someone on the patio after church, and, and they seem very out of place. And again, you strike up a conversation, and, and you find out they're actually involved in prostitution and they're there visiting your church, how are you going to respond then? Or, again, put something that's very much out there in our culture today. Let's say you meet somebody at church, and to be frank, you cannot tell by looking at them whether you're talking to a man or a woman. And you don't know how to approach the conversation, but as you start to be open with this person, they make it clear, you know, I think I've been caught up in some bad things in our culture, and I think I need a change in my life. How would you respond in those scenarios? I want us to think today about the modern-day tax collectors, the modern-day sinners, that Jesus was accused of befriending, that Jesus was asked why he was eating and drinking with them. Uh, You know, you think about a tax collector, and I doubt the IRS is very popular for any of us, right? We don't like uh, sending a lot of our hard-earned money to the government every year, but we have to be honest that the tax collectors we are dealing with are uh, much different than the tax collectors in the time of Christ. Uh, The tax collectors in the time of Christ were clearly extorting people, were clearly getting rich off of corruption, Um, but Jesus also, I mean, we, we do see another thing that seems to be thrown out is that he's a friend of prostitutes. And and that's where, when we think of, okay, well, what in a modern day would, would be some of the things we think of as like, yeah, those are the tax collectors and sinners of our day. Uh, Maybe you do think of somebody that was really in trouble with the law or somebody that uh, really seems to have their life dominated by drugs and alcohol. Um, Maybe it's somebody that has been involved in some kind of sexual sin, or even today, somebody coming out of the whole LGBTQ community and that's been dominating their lifestyle. That's where, you know, modern American Christians might look at people from some of those sectors and say, yeah, that's the tax collectors and sinners. Well, today we want to look and we want to look carefully at how Jesus interacted with people like that. And we look today at our New Testament reading, Matthew 9, 1 through 17, Mark 2, 1 through 22, and Luke 5, uh, 17 through 39. And, and this is where it lines up a little more than our last few days, where each of those three passages, you're going to read you know, roughly the same things. You'll notice some minor differences. For instance, Matthew not really mentioning the lowering through the roof part, um, or just some different phrases that are different. But really, we see Jesus healing a paralyzed man we see Jesus calling Levi or Matthew, and we see this discussion about fasting. I want us to spend most of our time thinking about Jesus calling Levi. Let's look at it from the account in Luke, where in Luke five twenty seven it says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. repentance. So there we see a very interesting interaction, first with Jesus and Matthew, and then with Jesus and the Pharisees and the tax collectors. And that's where I said we need to think carefully about this because there are some that take Jesus's words here and I believe misapply them. And they take Jesus's example here and they use it basically as an excuse Uh, to partner and hang out with the world or with worldly people, right? Hey, I'm going to go hang out with these people who aren't following Christ because look, Jesus, he was a friend of sinners. Look, Jesus, he was having dinner with the tax collectors and the sinners, Uh, you know? So I'm going to go hang out at the bar with all the tax collectors and, and sinners, right? And I think sometimes it can be used as an excuse to ignore other ideas like bad company corrupts good Morals, because one thing you clearly see here is Jesus, yes, he did associate with these people, but it was for a clear purpose to call sinners to repentance. He was calling them to turn. He was calling them to change. And I do think we see examples even of preachers uh, talking about different groups in our society and how we should care for them. But it seems like what they ultimately end up proposing is hey, let's compromise the message of the Bible, let's compromise the message. Uh, the call to repentance and really to accommodate, we can reach out with these to these people and say, You know, Jesus loves you just the way you are, in a way that I think, while that's or there's a reality to that, twists it, implying there's no real repentance that's necessary. And that's why I said we need to think carefully about this because I do think some would use this and misapply it, and we don't want to do that but i think there is another error where we can basically not feel the force or not feel the pressure of this at all i mean go back to any of those initial um scenarios I talk to you about talking to somebody who's uh, been in organized crime or even think about talking to somebody that's been in jail for narcotics or somebody that was has been involved in prostitution somebody you know coming out of a transgender lifestyle any of those conversations be honest with yourself there's probably going to be a level of discomfort that you have And that's where, again, our message to all of those, if they would come to uh, your church, I would hope would be, hey, I'm calling them to repentance. I'm calling them, obviously, to leave the life of organized crime, to to uh, put away the drugs, to leave the life of prostitution, to leave the, uh, the the lifestyles that go against God's creation. Right? We're calling them to repent, but. Even if they say yes, okay, I'm. I want to repent. I want to follow Jesus. That's going to be an interesting relationship, and that's where I want you to think: Are you ready for that, or are you hoping that everyone who comes to your church will look just like you and have the same background as you? Maybe you kind of grew up in the church, and and, you know, hey, I hope everybody else just comes here. That hey, they went to Sunday school too, and we know all the things about God and, and church and things. Like that. And hopefully, there will be some people that you know that have kind of grown up uh, more in the church or or been Christians since they were younger. Hopefully, yes, there is some of that. But do you even have that desire, like Christ did, to see lost people saved? Do you really have a desire to see the tax collectors and sinners of your? Day, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, the people living what they would call alternative lifestyles, do you want to see them come to Christ? And that's where, again, we we don't want to compromise the message of the gospel to try to reach these people, but we do want to reach these people. I mean, do you? Ask yourself that question. Pray that God would save some of the tax collectors and sinners in your community and pray even that God would open doors for you to reach uh, some of those people and realize that that might put you in some awkward situations. Let's say the former drug addict says, hey, I'm going to have some of my boys over for dinner. Will you come be there? with me. And he's repentant, right? He's seeking to follow Christ, but now he's inviting you on an evangelistic mission to reach some of his former associates that are still in that lifestyle. You going to do that? I think that's more the modern equivalent of what we see Jesus doing. He's not just hanging out with the sinners, yucking it up and having a good time, but he is on a mission to see people saved. And you might look at that and be like, man, I don't even know where to begin with that. Well, let me tell you one good place to start would just be to pray. Pray. Pray for the lost around you. Pray that God would open up doors and pray that God would give you a heart for the tax collectors and the sinners of your day and pray that you would see some one to Christ. That is the goal. Christ came to call the sinners to repentance. And may that be our call as well. And may we pray that we would actually see some of that happen, that we would see some of the tax collectors and sinners of our day turn to Christ. Now, we've seen, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. Let's quickly look at some other things. One of the most interesting things that comes up in the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man is this whole issue of your sins are forgiven. And they say, who can forgive sins but God alone? That's part of the point of this. Uh, Jesus, while he might not come out and say, I am God in this passage by asserting his authority to forgive sins and basically using the miracle to say, hey, if I have the authority to do this, don't you think I have the authority to forgive sins? He is claiming deity. So this is actually a passage that I would say I would point to to prove the divinity, the deity of Christ. We also see the question about fasting and, and really Jesus kind of saying, hey, this is a unique time uh where the bridegroom is is here, Jesus is here. There will be times for fasting and, and hopefully without getting too lost in some of the wine, wineskins, then we can kind of see that there's some simplicity to that answer there. Let's move on now to the old testament and Genesis fifteen through eighteen. And as we look at these passages, just a few things to point out, we we see God in a couple different places affirming his covenant um, with Abraham, uh, just through what he says to him, through even this image of God passing between these animals, really kind of the ancient picture of a covenant. We see the sign of the covenant with circumcision. We see God affirming his promises. We also see this whole thing with Hagar, kind of trying to take God's promises and again, put them into our own hands. One thing I always find encouraging is Hagar is really mistreated. Uh, She's kind of abused in uh, in this scenario in Genesis 16. And I love how God comes to her and even how she calls God, you are the God of seeing. And so even if you are in a situation where somebody in authority over you is really abusing that authority in your life, God sees. And Hagar is actually an example uh, of that. But again, we see the challenge of the promises of God versus waiting on them. And you see that even as Sarah laughs when the Lord, and again, it's another interesting thing here where God seems to have taken on human form in this appearance to Abraham. I believe this is an example of what we would call a Christophany, the pre-incarnate Christ uh, appearing here. And and as she laughs at this report that she's going to get pregnant, um, the Lord said to Abraham in chapter 18, verse 13, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And that's where we need to hear those words ourselves to be reminded, is anything too hard for the Lord? Because sometimes you and I are going to be tempted to doubt the promises of God. Sometimes we might even be tempted to laugh at the promises of God. And we need to hear, is anything too hard for the Lord? And that's where before we you know, get too busy pointing the finger at Sarah, remember she is in Hebrews 11 saying that she conceived because she considered him faithful who had promised. So it doesn't seem her faith was ever without a struggle, but in the end she ended up trusting God's promises. Will you? Will you trust God's promise. So a, a lot again I love digging into God's word every day. Every day we see there is so much, but I think one helpful thought for us to be challenged with even in our prayers is, God, I want to see some of the modern day tax collectors and sinners come to Christ. And I realize, you know, that could be put me in some interesting situations kind of like it did Jesus, but I want to handle that wisely with truth and with grace and I want to call sinners to repentance and then we see fruit.